Haley Fickers is open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and you, you can be mean, and I, I'll drink all the time. Joining me on this show, as usual, is my co-host. She's the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast as well, a more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom. It's Ella Pearson. Ella, welcome back to Discoverage. Thank you. How are you? Um, I'm good. It's winter break. Uh, yeah. Although the past like two days, I've been working very hard on my application to the Star Trek Command Training Internship Program. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, For people who don't so, know, tell us, uh, give us a little uh, quick brief on what that is. Yeah, um, it's a new uh, internship program that CVS launched this year uh, for college students um, where you get, uh, like, they call it a 360-degree immersion into the production of Star Trek. So it's an eight-week program in L.A., and you go and you do, like, you get to spend time in, like, writer's rooms and, like, do wardrobe design and spend time, like, on set during production and, like, learned about animating and do like post-production stuff so it's very uh, it's a lot <laughs> Sounds, it's very inclusive yeah yeah they're really they're putting um an emphasis on like uh opportunity for people who wouldn't have it like originally and like diversity um which is amazing so yeah. hopefully i will have a chance <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a really uh, intriguing program. And of course, they are no stranger to uh, development um, with, uh, you know, just uh, CBS All Access um, and the work that um, Alex Kurtzman's uh, Secret Hideout, you know, production company has been doing. They are spitting out shows faster than anybody can count at this point. And there is no um, official word that I know of on uh, season four of Discovery yet, but I think it's pretty much just assumed to be a uh, fait accompli at this point. I, yeah, it has to be. Yeah, you think so? With all the, yeah, with all the other... They, I mean, if they feel competent enough to announce and start the production of all of these other shows, I feel like Disco has to have a season four and beyond, probably. Yeah, if they remember to. There's so much else going on here. <laughs> Uh, like these short treks, uh, which I guess we'll just get right into, uh, we have seen the fifth and final short film in a series of short films set in the universe of Star Trek Discovery called Short Treks, and we're talking about the Children of Mars this week. And before we start, as always, we're setting a course for the spoiler zone, so be warned, listeners, we're glad you've decided to join us, but if you haven't yet seen the last short trek, Children of Mars, spoilers are incoming, the official synopsis for Children of Mars is 12-year-old classmates Kima and Lil find themselves at odds with each other on a day that will change their lives forever. This episode is written by Kirsten Beyer, Alex Kurtzman, and Jenny Lumet. Beyer is, of course, a prolific Star Trek novel and comic writer. She's also a staff writer and executive story editor for Star Trek Discovery. She penned the first season Discovery episode, C.V. Pacum Parabellum, and the second season episode, Saints of Imperfection. She's also on the writing staff and is a supervising pr producer for the upcoming Picard series. 
And, of course, Alex Kurtzman is, of course, Alex Kurtzman. He and Lumet co-wrote the season one short track, Runaway, and wrote the second season finale, Such Sweet Sorrow, Parts 1 and 2. And the pair are set to write and produce a Silence of the Lambs sequel series for CBS All Access in the future, currently titled Clarice. That was a lot. Yeah, which is like, <laughs> you know, I know that there there are a lot of hands now um, sort of on board as far as Star Trek goes, but it was interesting to hear. First of all, it was interesting to hear uh, Michael Shaben, uh to get that development deal with, um, I can't remember who, but for like to develop uh, Cavalier and Clay, I think, in his own like work. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting, having him be such a big name on uh, Picard, but then to hear that Kurtzman and Lumet are going to do a... Um, Sons of the Lambs thing. It's like, okay, all right, so maybe now we've got many hands to make more lighter work of this trek. I mean, we can only hope. I just <laughs> I just hope that they everyone everyone feels good, confident, stable, get some solid just some the same staff for a couple seasons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they'll have you in there to do the heavy lifting, so I, exactly. So I'll do listen, CBS I know in the future they'll be screening all these podcasts to check up on me when they review my application. Right, and yeah. listen, I'll I'll do all of it. And you I'll should... do it for almost nothing because I'll be an intern. <laughs> you should probably brush up on your Thomas Harris just in case. <laughs> uh, this episode was directed by Mark Pellington. He previously directed the season two short trek Q&A. And there's a few interesting aspects to this episode. Uh, this episode is something of a prequel to the upcoming Picard series, and it's set on April 5th, first contract day, sometime in the 2380s, we don't know exactly what year, which makes it technically the latest that we've seen an episode or short set in normal continuity, uh, at least until the upcoming premiere of Picard. This episode is credited as being based upon Star Trek The Next Generation, created by Gene Roddenberry, instead of based on Star Trek by Gene Roddenberry. This is the first CBS production to say that. Uh, the episode titles are also in the TNG font. It's also the first episode in the franchise to feature a split-screen framing that is not diegetic to some form of communication <laughs> in the world. Um, this is when we see the girls leaving their room at the beginning of the yeah, short. Yeah, yeah. And it also featured the second use of non, non-diegetic pop music in a Star Trek episode. Um, the first was the use of Johnny Appleseed by Bing Crosby in The Trouble with Edward. In this episode, it's Peter Gabriel's cover of David Bowie's 1977 song Heroes from Gabriel's 2010 album Scratch My Back. But doesn't it just remind you of Moulin Rouge? <laughs> you know, it, it, do, it shouldn't. It's just like... I liked that song before Moulin Rouge came out. <laughs> I knew about that song before Moulin Rouge came out. <laughs> But now Moulin Rouge has infected that song forever for me. Yeah. So it does. Yeah, it does remind me of that. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Children of Mars? Um, I, uh, it's just that the whole, um, it felt like a, like a, like a trailer for, uh, the, the short track. Do you know what yeah. I mean? The way it was. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the way it was edited, I was like, "Is this? A, are we having a montage? Is it a short?" Like when it started, I was like, "Oh, is this? A, are they doing a preview before the short trek starts?" Like, I don't know how to describe. It just felt like I was waiting for something to start the whole time. Yeah, <sighs> you know, you mentioned uh, a preview or or or, or, a, or a trailer, and um, it made me think of the current real popular trend in trailers of having like a slowed down cover 
of a very famous <laughs> song. You know, you see that yeah. a lot in trailers these days. And that's mm -hmm. what this reminded me of. So, and I really, I'm getting really annoyed at that trend, but maybe it's, it's Gabriel's fault. We can blame him. He's the one who took uh, <laughs> heroes and slowed it down in 2010. Um, and this, <laughs> it's, it's hard because anytime that you go sub 10 minutes, I find myself having not a lot to say. Um, this comes at a interesting time, uh, not only in the future of Star Trek with the premiere of, um, you know, our first sequel series, really, uh, in, in Picard, but also in uh, our discussion of these short treks, because I feel like this whole sort of season or, or, or brace of, of short treks, we've been really kind of tearing at ourselves, uh, trying to yeah. figure out how to feel about them. And then this comes as kind of an exclamation point or maybe a period in the same font or typeset as the whole rest of the thing, which is I kind of wanted them to show me something and they're doing, I guess, what we've talked about short treks, um, what they should be doing, which is supporting, you know, or giving depth to other material in the universe. But yeah, you're right. This just feels like, hey, check out Star Trek Picard, you know, January 23rd. And I'm going yeah. to, but I don't, I'm never going to know anything more about Kima or Lil. I'm, I'm fairly certain. I don't think we're going to see them again. Who knows? Um, and as far as the, the enticing glimpses that we get, it's none of it is, I, I don't need anything to tide me over for 13 days. Do, do you know what I mean? Like we, we have yeah. this uh, interesting picture of, um, of uh, Jean-Luc Picard, you know, Admiral Picard is like, oh, this is a horrible attack. And then the attack itself, like before we, I saw that, you know, we didn't really know exactly when this was set. And I'm like, when did Mars get nuked? <laughs> like, I don't remember this <laughs> in any of the Star Trek history, but it's, of course it's not, this is future history. So, um, so yeah, it's, I don't know, as far as an inciting incident goes for Picard, I guess it's, um, it's an interesting one, but we're not, we don't receive a lot of uh, information. And of course, we'll get it in the series. But I did think it was interesting. You know, th these are unfamiliar um, ships, unfamiliar um, adversaries, and they're referred to as, as synths. And so I'm wondering um, what you think is going on with that. I didn't re I didn't know that that was a uh, thing, but that just sounds like what is that? Is that is that what they say in Alien? They, who, who says synth? Is it uh, Blade Runner? Um, do, I think they might use synth as a uh, as a terminology for um, yeah. for the, the guys in uh, Blade Runner. But I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, gen generally, it I know sounds like, like yeah, like like robots or you know, or artificial yeah, it sounds beings like, or something. Yeah, like that. something that's you know not what we would call biological. However, you want to phrase it, I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's certainly an othering term. I mean, I don't think anybody mm -hmm. enjoys being called a synth unless you're, um, <laughs> you know, like a retro 80s musician or something. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it, uh, you know, if you're going to make a six minute uh, short film, let's say, uh, I just feel like you don't have time to do the world building thing at the beginning. Yeah. Like with the like, it feels like they kind of shoot in those voiceovers, so that we would have a little bit more context. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I wish I don't know. I guess I don't know if I feel the same way with the other short tracks, but it's like this one. I'm like, I feel like you need to trust your audience a little, a tiny bit more, um, just because it's like we're we know it's like 
everyone who's watching the short treks is already a star trek fan like we're gonna go very fast from seeing her dad on the thing at the mining colony to be like oh it's the the mining colony is getting you know bombed whatever yeah um but yeah i don't know it was just very it, yeah it felt very montage well i guess as as a media and, and film student yourself I, i'm really interested then in your um sort of take or, or your review of the the short filmitude of this you know i <laughs> i it it is very music video feeling and the biggest um I know it's a stylistic choice, but other than that, the biggest question I have or the thing I would question is just the video uh, heroes montaginess of it. Um, it's it's certainly meant to make an impression, but I thought that the, the characterization, you know, it should have been longer. I, I don't know how else to say this. So I'm going to start off saying that I would have loved 15 minutes. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure why it wasn't longer. Yeah, but I feel like it needed to be longer. Yeah, because for... in in six or seven minutes, if you're making a, a a like a short film, an episode of TV that's under ten minutes, it needs to be very like black and white. You know what I mean? Like there needs to be a very yeah. simple. It needs to be A to B, and it needs to be A to B fast, so that yeah. at the end you're not left just feeling like, what? Why did I watch that? Yeah. But I, I did feel like if somebody said to them, well, this hero song is only six and a half minutes long, that's that's what you got. I <laughs> felt like within those constraints, I, I thought they did some nice touches like we, you know, immediately we see that these girls have similar yet somewhat different lives. Their relationships with their parents are are different. Um, they have a conflict that immediately escalates it's clearly about more than just whatever petty thing is going on between them and you want more once you set all that up you want more of a payoff to that than just this is a day of tragedy i guess that will just erase all conflicts and you know and disagreements between people um but i don't know i just like i usually expect more out of the characters that we build in star trek like i wanted to see and i just like these two these two in the in the in the story, they are victims of this tragedy on Mars, but from a meta sense, their characters are victims to like, hey, check out Picard coming in a couple of weeks. Like, I just, yeah, I feel bad for Kima and Lil. I wanted to know like more about uh, their lives and what's going to happen to them. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like the um, like what they're going for is like so relatable. Like, oh, you're you're in middle school and you're fighting with your classmate because both of you are like mad at your parents. Like that's very <laughs> like every and like the way I don't know, just like how angry they get so fast with each other. Like I feel like it's really relatable. Like people relate to that. Like we understand what's going on and we want to see them like be friends at the end. But you're right that it's like oh, all of a sudden Mars is being bombed. So we're going to hold hands and watch the view screen. And I would rather, I don't I would even like the time, the tiniest change, like they didn't realize they were holding hands. Like they just grabbed each other without thinking Yeah. to comfort each other. Like even that, I would have felt a little bit like better, but like, yeah, you're right. It should have been like 15 minutes and yeah, it could have been a much better payoff with, and we could have gotten to know the character a little bit more. Just dramas interruptus. <laughs> well this um this you know is like the technically i guess the ninth one that we've seen and i don't think that every necessarily a uh, short trek has followed this but this is definitely the supreme triumph of i think style over substance in terms of uh, star trek s storytelling i think that going from cardboard sets 
of TOS uh, with, you know, scripts and dialogue that are just hammered out, you know, to the nth degree to more of a shift to the other side on CBS All Access, which, of course, is, you know, in glorious 4K and you can let a lot Mm -hmm. of the storytelling or the visuals do the storytelling for you. This is, you know, we wonder how much, how far ahead these are planned and what they are really designed to do. But this is basically just a, a glowing neon billboard for, you know, watch Star Trek Picard. Yeah, well, not even because when Picard starts, he's already been like retired or however you want to call it for a while, right? That's And then he goes back. So in this, he's still Admiral. So I feel, yeah, I mean, they're giving us this like nugget. It's like, oh, why he leave? Like, what happened? Like, what's he going to do? What happened? Like, who who's on the ships? But it's like, I would like an Easter egg maybe, but um. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like I mean we talked about this before about how the first round of short tracks were all very tied into yeah. that season of disco. And now it seems like they don't really have a specific like idea of what they want from like the short tracks as like a group, like as a whole, like this past like because it's not really a season, but this past like round of short tracks is like they're all like completely different, which I do think is fantastic. And I like really appreciate it. And it's very interesting. And they're doing something that's like very new. Um, But yeah, but then it doesn't always, (laughs) it doesn't work out that well (laughs) sometimes. I wonder too, and not that every like Star Trek series has to have a real easy uh, log line and kind of weigh in to what the plot's going to be. But I wonder at the sort of multiple sort of, um, angles or fragments we're getting into what Picard will ultimately be about. Like we've seen in previews that it will involve, um, you know, this mysterious girl. Uh, we know that seven or nine is there, but you know, mm-hmm. if you read like the prequel comic um, countdown, it involves uh, Picard uh, in the process of, um, you know, doing this giant armada to save the Romulans uh, from the destruction of their system. And you find out that like, in the in the planning and progression of um, this armada and the evacuation, the Romulans are sort of prioritizing some populations over others, which goes totally against the Federation and like Picard's um, principles. And so he ends up sort of getting in trouble because he's defying, you know, the powers that he's supposed to work with. Um, so you get that aspect. Now we've got this thing with the synths. And I wonder, like, are they trying to introduce like, what will become these like sort of separate um, plot elements in Picard and it makes me we know that data you know it will be in, in subway involved um in the upcoming Picard show so I wonder if like you know are the synths are they datas or something like that you know are they the result of I will I I will lose my my gold <laughs> if it's just a bunch of and data's like well they're they're that means they're sort of my my species I will <laughs> well... lose it bro I'd keep a I keep a chain on your gourd because <laughs> you might be heading for something like that. I mean, you know, we've talked I've talked a lot on uh, and I didn't know I was uh, inadvertently causing something, but I've talked a lot on uh, enterprising individuals about just the lack, I think, from the beginning of interest in storytelling about sentient robots, about AI and um, intelligent mm-hmm. machines. I don't think it was something that was really mattered to Gene when he was creating Star Trek. And even though it became very popular in our, you know, modern sci-fi in the late 20th century and early 21st century, it never really found its way that much into Star Trek. Um, 
but I think it's game on That's now. Really you know, I think point. that yeah. yeah, it looks like we are very interested now on the uh, Star Trek side in telling those kind of stories. And so, yeah, when I heard about synths were going to be involved in this, I was like, whoa, okay, I think we are really now um, nosing over into definitely wanting to explore that unexplored part of Trek. And, you know, that's probably a good idea, but uh, it's one of the Peter Gabriel songs. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we can only hope that it's as good as a uh, measure of a man because that is <laughs> yes. like yeah. that's, one of the best that's what, <laughs> Exactly. What was it called? It was called like the the Arizona Accords. Maybe I'm just calling it that because uh, oh, um, yeah, Melissa yeah, likes the Southwest. Yeah. But... <laughs> But yeah, like when she, when Melissa wrote Measure of a Man, she had to come up with a couple things that were like a fake history in Trek of how they had dealt with things because Gene still didn't really, he wasn't interested in telling those stories. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get those stories now. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I just hope it's, um, you know, obviously Measure of a Man is like my favorite Star Trek episode of like almost ever. But it's, it's also like, I feel like the thing with Gene is like he wanted to tell very human stories. You know yeah. what I mean? And so but, like, yeah, which is so funny because every time that you get, or you, most of the time that you get this, those kind of stories, you are literally, even though it's not a quote unquote flesh and blood human, you are looking at what it means to be human. Like that yeah, gene yeah. loves things like that. So I, I don't understand why he couldn't project that into artificial intelligence stories. No, yeah, I mean, you're right. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's going to be, we're going to have to wait and see. I'm very, like, <laughs> I have no, I just, every, I have no idea what to expect. <laughs> and I'm just, I kind of, it's winter break, so it feels like time has stopped. And I kind of forgot that we were so close to the first episode dropping, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I mean, what, you know, it, it sparked a conversation. I mean, I think that, you know, we've been here talking about it. So I think for that, for that reason, it's good. Um, I just wish that, you know, when I come away from watching a piece of Star Trek media, I expect to possibly have a larger discussion I want to have. But also I want to be discussing that piece of Star Trek media. And so many of the short treks this year have felt like, yeah, okay, just kind of like uh, invitations to talk about something else that's going on. Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, well, is this the last one now For before this Picard? round, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I, uh... <laughs> that's, that's all she wrote. <laughs> I just, um, they could have made it, maybe if they had made it even shorter. You think, like, if they had cut it down even more than with this same kind of montage like slow music cover playing in the background it would have felt a little more natural if it was at like three minutes or even just five but then it really would have felt like just a commercial yeah hmm. yeah um can we talk well, about that ball vulcan though that was funny have <laughs> there's never have we ever have they ever should given us an uh <laughs> an old bald vulcan <laughs> Man. That guy, yeah, that guy was older than uh, Mark Lennard. Um, yeah, <laughs> I it was. It. <laughs> I would hesitate to make it shorter, but I, maybe there's something to just in um, every time you do something in the future, it's kind of a thing. It's kind of cool, or it's a technique for something mm-hmm. to be really mundane, but yet in the future, yeah. 
And this like this yeah. is the J.J. Abrams playbook, like up and down, like driving a Cadillac <laughs> through the desert, you know, listening to the Beastie Boys and then a robot <laughs> okay, cop chasing that's, that's you. A, that's kind of a sick scene, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just I, for me, just seeing like, you know, like two girls go to this school, which we don't really know what it is, but it seems like it's some sort of organizational school and they're, you know, having hollow lessons, but yet they're having these very mundane, like, you know, meet me in the, in the hallway right now you know and they're like fighting each other and just seeing i love things. it though because i feel like it just always middle schoolers at big schools are just always like that <laughs> they're always like, like no matter what you do yeah it's like a, it's like <laughs> an alien planet and she's still like get up get up right yeah <laughs> put I some soap it. in a sock yeah right literally <laughs> yeah but i mean just like i I don't think we're out of the woods of like still seeing things like that, you know, in Star Trek or in a future thing. And, and it's supposed to like ignite this friction in us for like, oh, yeah, OK, they're just there's like they're like us still, even in 2380. <laughs> there's still two 14 year old girls having a fist fight in the we're hallway. We're going to fix so that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've cured wealth and uh, and want. But uh Yeah young girls getting it on 14 year old girls they're gonna they're gonna go at it <laughs> 14 year olds in general i feel like synths or no pent synths. up rage <laughs> synths or no synths <laughs> well here at the end of season two of the short treks uh where do we where do we go from here we've had uh one season or you know season one season two um definitely meant to achieve something different, I think. Uh, if there was a season three, and I th- I'm willing to debate whether there should be one, um, what where, where should it go? Well, I mean, I think it's, uh, to me, it is clear that the, the quality in the short tracks came from using uh, characters that uh, were already established in, in ships and locations that were already established, except for kind of Calypso. But, uh, unless they make some changes to the short tracks, I would hope they go back to what it was like when they did that, those first four. And they were like those 15 minute spots, like, like character highlights almost. Yeah. Hmm. And Calypso, uh, presuming that we can presume what I think a lot of people have, that it will be connected yeah. to Discovery's Journey to the Future. That was a long yeah. bet for them. Um, yeah. That was a season long bet. And it yeah. came from, you know, a producer or executive producer in Michael Shaman, but but still. Um, I think that they, I think that that is a good sign. Like, like Calypso, like you mentioned. I think yeah. that this is so new still. And I know that yeah. people like Alex Kurtzman have a ton of ideas and they're willing to take it a long way or at least as long as their, you know, five year contract. But I think the longer this is around, the more we could do with them. You know what I mean? They yeah, be... I mean, I wish, like, I feel sad even saying that they should go back to just connecting them to, the, to the, whatever season the Star Trek is running because it feels, like, so, like, good and new and, like, special to just have this, like, Star Trek content that is just kind of, like, oh, we're going to write these shorts and, like, produce them. And, like, that's really interesting. And it feels like it's a big part of, like, the way uh, – uh, content is distributed now is you can do these kind of weird things because it's CBS Alexa so we can post whatever we want we can do 
short treks and one of them has Spock and one of them is animated and like all this stuff. But I wish that they would, I mean, I don't know what, uh, what is really, I don't know what's like holding them back per se from making something like Calypso. Yeah. I think that it's, that's a good question. I, I can't remember. I don't think anybody is necessarily like when you've got discovery, you've got, um, a set of producers, you've got a writer's room, you've got, you know, a production that is doing Discovery, and then you've got a production that is doing Picard. I don't think that anybody is like, there isn't like a Short Treks production. If if it was, I know it's not like an ongoing series, but if it was treated um, like as a more, as a more important thing and a thing of its own, I think that it could have more identity and cohesion in that way. Um, but yeah. I think that going forward, they should be I mean, if you have to burn one to promote Picard, fine. But I think they're less interesting when they're doing that. And they're more interesting when they're doing something like Calypso, which if nothing had ever came of that would have been like, wow, that's a little weird sort of side story. But instead becomes, oh, I understand now. This is like a fragment of the universe we will be seeing later. Mm -hmm. And if you could use it to, and, you know, having like, oh, Spock's, it's Spock's laundry day, like having like a <laughs> side story about characters we know is fine. But I also think it'd be interesting to like use it to take bets on things that we could see in the future. You know how like every week on Star Trek, it's a reset, at least in the old show. So you'd have to meet somebody. And if it's somebody like like the outrageous Okana, oh, boy, they have to take all this time to tell us how outrageous he is. I'm like, oh, he's he's going to get into some crazy schemes. Look out, everybody. Uh, if we had like a short trek where we met the outrageous Okana and he got into some crazy scheme and it didn't even have anything to do with like the Enterprise necessarily later on mm -hmm. when they run into Okana and, you know, and he's on the main show, like we already know, oh boy, what's going to happen with this guy? Like we've seen him do some other dumb thing. Like if they used it for things like that to sort of sketch in the margins of their world and not necessarily worry about it connecting or... <laughs> featuring uh, bummer covers of uh, popular songs. Uh, <laughs> I think that's how it would be best used. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like, I mean, we pretty much always agree, but you're <laughs> you're absolutely right. I just don't know. It's like, I feel bad kind of ragging on them, but it's like they gave, the, the, the first four were, were so good, you know? So it's like they set a very high standard for themselves. But I think you're right. That's an interesting point about how those first four might have been going more through um, the disco production staff and the and the writers' room, and now these ones maybe are getting a, a little bit sidelined. That would make sense. Yeah, this you know, I mean, well, I mean, you're applying for a job from them, and <laughs> the show's coming out. So I mean, we know as a production, this this thing's doing fine, but it's not one of those things where I mean at this point you probably know more about TV production than I do but I know that like a lot of franchises have a singular person a creator usually or a core of creators or writers that kind of move them forward and then when something becomes a franchise it becomes more fragmented often and it ends up pursuing you know different goals in terms of what it wants and it's just, it just seems like Trek has for so long been a Gene Roddenberry thing. And then even then there were people carrying the torch um, to Rick Berman, to Michael Piller, to so on and so forth, that 
now it just seems like it took almost no time at all for Trek to come back. People, you know, liked it and it was doing well. And it's like, here we go, buddy. Let's do it. Let's spin this thing up. You know, let's fire the Trek machine up. And part of me is like, is that how it's done, though? Like, who who are you going to point to? Are you, is Alex Kurtzman really the Gene Roddenberry or the Rick Berman or the Michael Pillar of this age? I, I'm not willing to say that. But he's the guy well, running um, things. I mean, here's the here's the question is without if they didn't launch immediately like five other Star Trek shows after launching Disco. Um, what would be on CBS All Access? <laughs> well, uh, you have Clarice. You uh, have CBS, uh... CBS. If you're listening, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> she re- she does want to work on the second season of Twilight Zone. Come on. I... <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, even I, you I, as a company. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'd be okay. I mean, in this day, it never. It always takes time to build a TV network. It always takes time to build a franchise. You're never, I I'm old enough to remember how much fun everybody used to make fun of Fox. Cause Fox thought that they were going to be a TV network. And now Fox is bigger than, you know, the big three often it's not even mm-hmm. three anymore. And so CBS all access has had like this amazing growth. That's still not going to be fast enough for people on Twitter, you know, but I've always said that, like, as much as I um, I appreciate Trek for its themes and for what it's – the kind of stories it's tried to tell, and I want to protect my little cinnamon roll, I also think, yeah, you know, mess it up a little bit. Like, let's let's run it through the, the moneymaker and, and see what happens. You know, I th- every franchise does this, and you have to monetize and sell and diversify everything. And so, yeah, I mean, they can make an animated one, make a bunch of short ones, make a – a bad guy, you know, make a Giorgio one. Like, why not? They're not, nothing, it's not all going to succeed. It can't, but let's see where we're going now. Cause it's been 50 years and I'm pretty sure we can't have, you know, the new captain just talking robots to death. That's, that's not going to work. But now that I'm seeing it happen in person, I'm like, oh, are you sure about that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we don't um, know. That's the takeaway from this. We have no idea. I, uh, yeah, I have. I just have a lot of questions that no one, no one uh, can answer besides uh, <laughs> Mister Mister CBS. Mister CBS, I gotta talk to Mister CBS. <laughs> I'm gonna call him and say, "Please review my application." <laughs> He's just a big eye. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well. <laughs> Hopefully you get to see your application. Uh, I guess that's pretty much it for this episode and this round of short treks. And I guess we'll be back uh, if there is another one. Nothing's been announced just yet, but I'm sure we'll be doing this again in the future. But that's it for this week. Thanks for joining us, listeners. If you like what you hear here in this kind of discussion, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at E-I-S-T-P-O-D for updates and get notified when new episodes of Discoverage and also Enterprising Individuals, our main show, are released. You can tweet to us on this show by using the hashtag, hashtag Discoverage, or you can email us at EISTpod at gmail.com. And while you're on the internet, head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to the show. Give us a rating and a review if you think of it, because it really does help us out. And as always, if you like the show, tell a friend. 
Discoverage, uh, in its current form, will be returning on January 23rd for the premiere of Star Trek Picard. We'll be going live just a few minutes after the the Picard finishes airing on CBS All Access that Thursday. So please, watch Picard. You go hit the bathroom. You come right back because we're going live with our review and discussion of the Picard premiere right after it airs. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at EISD Pod to get notified when we're going live and we're broadcasting. In the meantime, check out the main show at Enterprising Individuals at EnterprisingIndividuals.com. And we just recently finished our fourth season of the show. We're currently on a hiatus. We'll be returning pretty soon with a whole new season of shows. So now is a good time to check out some of our recent episodes or any of the fine programs on our Just Enough Trope network available at justenoughtrope.com. Ella, thanks as always for joining me to talk about Star Trek. Uh, Remind people where they can find you online. Yeah, you can find uh, me and my dad's podcast at Generations Geek on Twitter and uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, I don't uh, there there will be a decently sized uh, announcement coming. I don't think I have the authority to make it today, but things are happening. Oh, okay. Is what I will say. (laughs) Things are happening. Wheels are turning. (laughs) wheels are turning so stay tuned um and yeah so just uh check out yeah our feeds on apple Podcasts and stuff okay and you can find them of course at generationsgeek.com and Mm -hmm. that is it for us thanks for listening everybody we are signing off this is aaron for ella saying live long and prosper 